Are you ready for God's word? You know, I ask that question often from you because I've come to know that that attitude and expectation is the is the probably the biggest determining factor in whether we learn, grow, and uh, and obtain what what we're taught and what we receive. The truth is, with a bad attitude and with no expectation, you will receive and obtain or retain, I should put it uh, that way better, a fraction of what you otherwise would with a great attitude. It's all about attitude. Attitude actually determines your perspective. And we've been talking about perspective. We've, We've entitled this sermon series, Vantage. Now, every week, I remind you of the definition. The definition is a position giving a strategic advantage, commanding perspective, a comprehensive view. We've said vantage is a better point of view, a better perspective. In order to have that better perspective, the the number one thing we can do as humans is to realize we're human, is to realize that we're limited, that it's all about God, and that God is ultimately better positioned to give us a vantage, a perspective. Amen? Isn't that true? You know, I love what one of my disciples uh, said uh, while, while we were in discipleship group. Uh, Bill Yaney said, you know what? I finally realized in my life, I'm not God. He is. I think I'll let him. Isn't that what it comes down to? Getting that perspective finally can change your life. To understand that, you know what? All my life, I've been trying to step in the role of God. I've been trying to tell him what to do. I've been trying to tell myself what to do. I've been trying to be in control. I think I finally figured out, I'm just a human. He's God. I think I'll let him. I think I'll let him be God. Amen? That's important because that's what we've been talking about. See, our perspective is affected by how we view ourselves. Some of us have too highly a view of ourselves. Some of us have too low a view of ourselves. Some of us worry about what others think of us too much. And then we melt down in a certain circumstance or situation, but the truth is the key to a great perspective is God's word. We covered that. Prayer, we covered that. And last week, Pastor Raquel knocked it out of the park talking to us about worship. And you know... It's interesting because over the past several weeks, I've, uh, I've been so proud of this church. We've had, we've had Brother Jamie, and, and if he's not careful, he might be Pastor Jamie. Uh, who knows what God has in store, but, but the Lord has blessed him, and he brought a, a, an inspiring message to us. In fact, I got so many responses that it kind of bothered me because some of them were in the lines of, man, Pastor, your, your job is not secure. This man is ready. And I thought, wow, 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 that is awesome. And then last week, I I heard something just as alarming. Pastor, you can retire anytime because Raquel is (laughs) is able to step in and she is your succession plan. I thought, oh my goodness, I'm not going anywhere unless God says so. But, you know, that kind of, that kind of, that kind of starts to, to creep in. No, I'm just kidding. I'm excited. And, and the truth is, um, I have a question for you. Because 
Uh, it's a very simple question, but it's the most profound question you can ask starting out. And that's why I always ask, are you ready for God's word? But more specifically or more pointedly, I want to ask, what attitude did you bring into the Sunday service? What attitude did you bring with you into the Sunday service? You know, someone said, the devil always seems to go to church. Another person says, yeah, you bring him. Isn't that the truth? He doesn't have to sneak in. We bring him. We bring him in the form of bad attitudes, prideful attitudes, arrogant attitudes, unforgiving attitudes, all sorts of things that we tend to struggle with, but sometimes we're just not aware. See, the truth is many people struggle with what's called attitude awareness. You know, it's interesting because we're aware of whether we're having headaches or not. If, if you have a headache, you're aware of it. You're aware of whether your foot aches or your back aches or your shoulder aches. As a matter of fact, the older I get, when I hit like 45, I started being aware of all kinds of aches. Matter of fact, you can't get out of bed without feeling it as soon as you hit the ground. Go, oh man, what was that? I can, rem I can remember being a kid. You never thought about getting up. You just got up, jumped up, threw things on, and you took off out the door. Nowadays, you got to kind of ease into that first step. Amen? Amen. That first step, it'll, it, oh, wow, that's my Achilles. Or, oh, that's my, my heels hurting. Or, oh, what was that? I didn't know you could get hurt sleeping. How many of you have figured that one out? I'm on the injured reserve list. What'd you do? I slept. It, it's, it's crazy. The truth is we're aware of all of these things, but how many of us take that kind of awareness or have that kind of awareness about our attitude? And yet the attitude of a man or a woman is the most important thing in determining their future success their future fulfillment, happiness, and joy. It's all about attitude. Now, some of us are, are nudging our kids right here saying, haven't I told you? Isn't it interesting that the older we get, the more we understand that it's all about attitude. All about attitude. Can I say that again? It's all about attitude. As a matter of fact, there's a study, according to the Stanford Research Institute, the study, the study results came out that 88% of a person's success is contributed or is brought about by their attitude and only 12% from education. Now, some of your kids are looking back at you saying, I told you so. Pastor just said, I don't have to go to college. Now, this isn't saying education's not important. What it's saying is if you're educated and the person next to you is educated, they will succeed above you if their attitude is better than yours. That's what that means. It's not saying that education's not important. It's saying that education coupled with a great attitude, you can hit the stars. You can do anything. You can go anywhere because attitude is what determines, listen to me very closely, your work ethic the truth is, you will have a poor work ethic if you have a poor attitude. It will not only uh, uh, determine your work ethic, it will determine, it, it, excuse me, determine how effective and efficient you are in doing that work. 
It will determine your ability to work within teams and improve the height of that team and the synergy that that team can have. It determines every facet of success. That's the truth. As a matter of fact, I want to remind you um, that attitude is what most coaches look for when, they're, when they are uh, recruiting a prospect. They, every, one coach put it this way, one championship coach put it this way. He said, everyone has talent at the NFL level. What I look for is attitude to go with that talent. Amen? You can find talent anywhere, but can you find the great attitude that is the engine to that talent? You know, the truth is, attitude is contagious. I can remember being in, in the Dominican Republic, and uh, we decided after the mission trip, a group of us, to go um, ziplining. And I can remember going ziplining, and I can't remember if it was this group or the other group, but there was one particular time when we went ziplining that there was, there was uh, one of the workers there who noticed the mood of the group. We kind of noticed that these ziplines, well, you're in a third world country. And the equipment is third world equipment. And you're really high up there and you start thinking to yourself, wow, I don't know if I should have done this. And you start really second guessing the whole decision process. That w- and, and you start really, and, and then the ones in the group that are fearful will start influence the other ones because usually I'm not fearful, but when others start getting fearful, then I go, maybe th- th- they're discerning something that you know I don't always discern. Maybe this is, this is uh, right the calm before the storm, so to speak. And so you start, it starts spreading through the group. And one particular young man, he noticed that. And, and I remember with his infectious smile and his positive attitude, he began to turn the whole group around. I'll never forget what he, he, he was. He was one of the smaller guys there, but he would take his, uh, his zip line. What, what do you call that? That little spinner thing. I don't know what you call it. And he would clip it onto the cables and he would jump off. I mean, with all of his might. And as he jumped, I wish I could do it here, but I can't. He would flip his, himself over, and he would, he would look like this. It's, imagine me flipped over this way. Now my face is down here looking back this way, and we're on the platform going like. And he would yell at the top of his lungs, I love my job. And it had quickly changed the whole mood of the group. And that's the truth. A good attitude will not only affect your life, but it will affect those around you. So I want you to think about, as a father, the attitude that is affecting your children, affecting your spouse. As a patriarch, because some of us are no longer just fathers, we're grandfathers. The attitude that is affecting our clan, our family. The attitude, because... I pulled him aside afterwards and I said to him, I said, man, son, that, that, that is awesome, that attitude you have about, about life, about your job. And I said, man, how do you, why do you do that? Or tell me more about it. And this is what he said to me. He said, he said, have you seen much of my country? Well, we had seen quite a bit of his country. He said, I'm grateful to have a job. 
And then he said, not only am I grateful to have a job, I'm grateful to have a great job where I get to see all this beauty. Not only do I see this beauty, but I get to interact with people from all over the world. I get to encourage them. I get to show them the best time possible. I get to do all of these things. How can I not show it in the way I do my job? And I thought to myself, wow, wow, I've got a job for you. Willing to go back to the U.S. with me? Because attitude is so important. As a matter of fact, I want you to remember this. Like walking, riding, playing sports, or any other skill that you can acquire, attitude can also be learned. It can be learned. That means you can practice a great attitude. Some of us have practiced a negative attitude. And we have to, we have to realize that, that look, it is important to recognize a negative attitude. Because right away, it will begin to hinder your success. It does. It hinders your success. It, it hinders your ability to influence others in a positive way and to get your team or family or church or whatever, wherever you work, going in the right direction. So we need to learn a very simple thing that the Bible teaches us to recognize and replace. Not only just recognize and try to battle against it, but you have to replace it. The Bible says, uh, Jesus, as a matter of fact, is saying this in Sermon on the Mount. He says, if your hand causes you to stumble, what should you do? Cut it off. If your eye causes you to sin, what should you do? Pluck it out. So recognize it, cut it off. That means stop the influence. Some of us have bad friends and bad company. Paul says this to the Corinthian church. Bad company corrupts what? good character, a good attitude. So some of us have to cut off certain acquaintances, certain relationships, certain times of influence where, where shows are beginning to influence us, music is beginning to influence us, people are beginning to influence, cut it off, but this is the important thing. Because Paul says this, if a man has been stealing, don't just cut his hands off, cut off that avenue where you have been tempted, and instead, this is what Paul says, use your hands to bless someone. So this is what you do. You recognize it and you replace it. You replace that attitude with a great attitude. Well, how am I going to know what a great attitude is? You spend time with the Lord and he'll tell you. You say, oh, is it that simple? When you begin to read God's word, your attitude will change for the better. I promise you that. I promise you that when you spend time with godly people, your attitude will change for the best. When you spend time in prayer with the Lord, your attitude will change for the best. When you spend time thankful and rejoicing in God's... I'm trying to help you if you let me. This is all very, very, very true. Now, for some of us, we need to take... We need to take inventory, begin to become more aware, and to realize that attitude is a choice. We choose the inner dialogue that we have. We choose to, to, make, to have it go from in, inner dialogue to outer dialogue. To begin expressing positivity or wrong thoughts. And the truth is, the way that we that we choose will determine the way our life progresses. Something else I want to tell you is that our mind is like a computer. I didn't say it was a computer. It's like a computer. It can be programmed. 
And the truth is, some of us have been programmed with bad attitudes that we can honestly say, Pastor, that didn't come from me. It came from someone that raised me. Someone that had tremendous influence on me. But you are here now and God has given you one of the greatest gifts and that's the gift of free will. And you have the ability to choose your own path. And to take some of those thoughts captive. That's what the Bible means. Some of us have to take inventory of maybe some bad attitudes. A prideful attitude. A pity party attitude. A woe is me, feel sorry for me attitude. An attitude of frustration. And when you get frustrated, you look to blame other people. You look to take it out on other people. You look to, to lash out. Some of us get insecure and it begins to trigger certain attitudes. Well, listen, we need to take captive that attitude. How do you take it captive? You recognize it and then you bring it to the Lord. You say, Lord, forgive me for this attitude. I recognize it and before you, God, I confess it and I ask you to help me defeat it in the name of Jesus. No longer, no longer will I make excuses for it. No longer will I ignore it. No longer will I ask others to tolerate it and to put up with it because I am trying to talk them into saying that it's okay. No, I realize that it's sinful. I realize this is not blessing my life. And I realize, Lord, that I must confess it, put it on the cross, nail it there, and leave it there. And when we begin to do that, then we begin to open ourselves up to receiving the good attitude that God has for us. See, our mind is like a computer. We can program our brain and reprogram what we would like. But the truth is, the loudest influence is you. Now, I'm speaking here today and you can say, man, pastor, this sounds great and you're influencing me. But the truth is, the loudest influence in your life and the loudest voice you hear is the voice of yourself speaking to yourself. What are you telling yourself? Are you, are you bringing God into the mix? Are you saying, Holy Spirit, I need your words to be in my mind and on my heart and in my mouth, as David said? I want to meditate on your word, or are you saying your own words to yourself? See, the truth is, Life is going to bring you challenges and life is full of trouble. And for some of us, we have, we have become accustomed to, uh, to, to, to just walking through trouble and always downing ourselves and, and beating ourselves up and constantly speaking negativity over ourselves. As a matter of fact, for some of us, now I, that, I'm not putting this on you, I'm just saying, for some of us, our theme song is trouble. Trouble, 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 trouble. Been dogging me since the day I was born. Worry, 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 worry. See, some of y'all didn't know I could sing like that. What, you think Raquel just got that from her mama? No. She got it from her daddy too. Hey, that's just one little line. That I, if I keep it right there in the sweet spot, it sounds good. <laughs> you know what I mean? You know, it's funny because everybody knows their sweet spot. You can hit it. Trouble, trouble. You go any higher and falls apart. <laughs> falls apart. Listen, what I'm trying to tell you is this. Trouble is going to come. 
As a matter of fact, you should expect that Jesus Christ put it this way, expect trouble. If I had trouble, you're gonna have trouble. Trouble is found everywhere and it will be found in your life too. But how you go at it, the attitude that you bring into it is gonna determine what you get out of it. Let me say that again. The, the attitude you bring into your trouble is gonna determine how you get out and what you get out of it. That's very, very important. In the book of James, James tells us the attitude we should have. Listen to the, to the words of this great man of faith. He says, my brethren, Count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But patience, but let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of the Lord, who gives to all liberally or generously without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith. Now, this is something very, very important that I need you to grab. That without faith, it is impossible to please God. It is impossible to have a relationship with God. Now, watch this. The man who does not have faith, listen to this. But let him ask in faith without faith, uh, without doubting. For he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all that he does. Now, this is the thing. God is saying, I want to test you so that we can see where your faith needs to be increased, where your faith needs to be strengthened. See, a test reveals, reveals what? Reveals where you're really at reveals what your understanding of the material is, reveals how you grasp it, reveals how you can operate, reveals how you can perform under pressure. It reveals all sorts of things. And God is saying, let me reveal where you can use more of me that you may decrease and I may increase in you. And so the test is meant to strengthen your faith. But some of you might say, and, and I may say, and we've all heard it said, God loves me right just as I am. How many of us grew up singing the song, just as I am? Y'all don't know nothing about hymns, do you? I grew up, in, I grew up the right way with hymns. I'm just kidding. <laughs> that, that's old school talking right there. But I remember singing those hymns, and boy, they stick in you. They stay with you. And that, that hymn, Just As I Am, can I tell you something? L listen to me very closely. God loves you just as you are, but he loves you too much to leave you just as you are. He loves you, he saves you, but he wants to transform you into the image of his son. And he is transforming us into the image of his son. And so listen, the testing of our faith shows us where it must increase, where we must depend more on him, how we must strengthen it. And so what he wants to do is turn that test into a testimony. A testimony is when you stand and say, Lord, I know that it was you that brought me through. I know that it was you that brought me through. And because you brought me through before, I know that you will bring me through again. And so Lord, that test revealed to me not only something about me, 
but it revealed to me something about you and that you are faithful in spite of me being unfaithful. That you are great in spite of me being not so great. That you are perfect in spite of my imperfection. That you are powerful in spite of my powerlessness. That, come on, can you see what God is doing in the midst of trial? in the midst of test. And so our attitude should be one of, Lord, if you see fit to put me through a test, you must see fit to increase me, to, to better me. You have got me in the weight room of life and you have me pumping some iron. See, some of us look at other people like, I'll be honest with you, the other day I, I told you, I, it's easy to look at Jamie or Dimitri or some of these guys that look all fit and go, oh, they ain't all that. They ain't all that. You know, it's easy to try to walk around like this when you're 30. But once you start hitting that 47 mark like I am, if you don't get in the weight room, things start to sag. So I'm starting to reevaluate and understand that weight rooms and exercise is important. It's important to the physical body, but it's also important to the spiritual body or to the spiritual being. And the spirit is exercised in the midst of trials. If you, don't, if you think this is an isolated passage, turn with me to the book of Romans. What the apostle Paul has to say is very similar. Now I want you to take notice of what James said. He said, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, tr temptations, or tribulations. I'm using different words from different versions knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience, and patience goes on to produce other things. In one version, it says, not just patience, but perseverance. Now watch what Paul says. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we now stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. You say, whoa, he said a mouthful. Let's break it down. Watch this. Therefore, having been justified by faith. Remember I told you that without faith, it is impossible to what? Please God. He told you that when you pray, if you have no faith, if you go back and forth, back and forth, you should not believe that you will get what? Anything. Because you are double-minded like a wave of the sea being tossed to and fro. You need to learn to stand on the promise and righteousness of Jesus Christ and say, Lord, I don't understand, I don't even see it, but I know you can and have and will do. Amen. So it's in you and not me. But, but this is important here, guys, because you are justified by faith. Listen to what Paul says in the book of Ephesians, chapter two, verses eight through 10. He says, for by faith you have been saved through, for by grace you have been saved through faith. It is a gift of God that no man should boast, but that we can all give God glory and honor for it. How are you saved? You put your faith in Jesus Christ and you are justified. That means you are transferred from death to life. 
This is what salvation is all about. See, Jesus Christ came and he showed us that he was going to die once and for all for us. When we believe that by faith, then he becomes the Lord of our life. We accept him as our savior. He forgives us all our sins and we are no longer condemned, which is the opposite of being justified. To be considered just and free and to be pardoned or to be what? Canceled out all of your debt is the opposite of what? Condemnation, slave, owing something, having a debt you cannot repay. And so the way you, you go from death to life is by faith. It's by faith. You say, well, well, pastor, I wasn't that bad. I love it because so many people think in these terms, I wasn't that bad. And that's why Jesus had to come. And the whole exercise between him and the Pharisees, how many of you know the gospel enough to know there was Jesus and there was this group of people that kept coming against him? They are the ones that thought, we're not that bad. Do you know that's human nature to think, I'm not that bad? Every time I, 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 I share the gospel with somebody and I go out and I share one-on-one with someone, I hear something like this. Oh, I don't know if I need to accept because I'm not that bad. Or they say, I'm, about, I'm better than about 50% of the people. Or they say, you know what? If you, pack, if you stack all my good against all my bad, my good will outweigh my bad. And then I say something like this. So what you're basically telling me, if you went before a judge... Jacob, and you put all the good things, you had your mom and your dad say, this kid is awesome. And your brother too. He's awesome. But you just killed that one guy. That was it. You're just, just one murder. Come on. It's not that big a deal, judge. No, that sounds crazy, right? It doesn't work that way. It isn't. Well, it's the same way with God. You're going to bring up all of this, but I haven't murdered anybody. Okay, that's why Jesus came. Remember I told you, because he had Pharisees that believed, I haven't murdered anybody. And this is what he said. You all say that you don't commit adultery, that you don't murder, that you don't lie. Let me show you how God sees it. How many of you have ever looked at a man or a woman and thought it in your mind or your heart? Okay, so now we have a bunch of adulterers that are liars because every one of us has done that. That's, that's the truth. That's what Jesus was saying. There's not a single person that's lived on this earth that cannot honestly say you haven't lusted. So you're an adulterer. Jesus said, you're a liar. Jesus said, watch this, you've never murdered? Well, if you've spoken ill of someone, trash talked them, gossiped them, or cursed them, you've, lied, you've murdered them. So let me just be clear. I'm, I'm talking to... All of us, we are lying, adultering murderers. And, and we're just on three of the ten. See, what, what Jesus is saying, you need a savior. And that's why this idea that you can get there yourself doesn't work. You need to get that straight once and for all because the world is trying to tell you that you can reach a higher level of enlightenment in your own strength. That's new ageism. You know what the world is also saying? That if you're sincere enough, there's other ways to heaven. God is saying there's one way to heaven. It's not my words. This is the words of God himself. There's one way to heaven. One, not many. One. 
and his name is Jesus because he lived a perfect, sinless life, and it takes faith in him. Faith in him to be saved. Now watch this. You have been justified by faith. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in the hope. So watch this. God is interested in faith, hope, love. How does he get us to faith, hope, love? He's going to tell us right here. Verse 3. And not only that, but we also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulations, trials, tests produce perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope. Hope does not disappoint. It will produce love. And so God is saying through this testing, through these troubles, through this tribulation, through these temptations, I'm going to build in you more hope, more perseverance, more character. I'm transforming you into the image of my son because I don't want you to be halfway saved. I want you to be completely saved. I want you to look like Jesus, feel like Jesus, experience what I came to give you and that is a full life, a full life. Now watch this. You say, but pastor, what do you mean it produces character? I can, re I can remember that my mom told me this very same thing. She said, when, when I wanted a brand new car, I, I spent some time at Baylor and I, I realized that everyone there had a car. It was a pretty wealthy school. At least all my friends had a car. And they all had like really nice cars. And my mom decided she had found a car for me. And it happened to be my aunt's car who she used it for four years of college. She passed it to her sister, who used it for four years of college and medical school, passed it to her brother, four years of college. Now it's mine. And it happens to be a Toyota. So Toyota's like, take a licking and keep on ticking. They just keep going. And this little Toyota Tercel would not quit. Now I'm, I'm like, won't you die so I can get another car? And it was white once upon a time. Now it's like a rusty white. It's like got rust all over. The, the bumper's kind of leaning like this. It kind of rides with a gangster lean. It just, it's got a weird vibe to it. It's got a plexiglass in the back window. The, 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 the seat in the front passenger broke, so I had to rip it out. And when I took Melissa on a date, I would, you know she loved me. You know it wasn't, it wasn't for my car, that's for sure. That's God. I, that, I, let me brag on the Lord. I can remember the day. That's why when we go back to Alto Frio camp, I can remember the day and where we were where I said, Lord, if you give me this girl, I will be grateful for all my life. I want her. Ask specifically and the Lord gives. But you got to ask in faith. You got to ask in faith. And so guess what? Don't ask for my wife. Ask for your own. <laughs> <laughs> so this is, I'm in this car, the floorboard is rotting out, so if you're not careful, your feet can fall through, you end up like Fred Flintstone trying to save your life, you know? It, it's crazy. And I tell my mom, I can't take this piece of junk out to school. She says, this, this right here, son, is going to produce character. And she said, she said, this is the thing. No one can make you feel any way. You make yourself feel that way. 
Well, I'm gonna, they're going to make fun of me, and they're going to make me feel this way, and they're going to make... No, 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 no. You're making yourself feel that way. And this is what I want you to learn. I want you to learn that it's not the car that makes you. It's you that makes you. And when you walk in there with confidence... And you learn what I've called you to learn and what my, your dad and I have prayed over you, then people are going to want to ride in your car. And I thought, what? I was dumb enough to believe it. No, sometimes you've got to be dumb by worldly standards because God's ways are not the world's ways. So I walked into that university. I said, this is my car. And nobody's got one like me. I see other BMWs. I see other Mercedes. I see other Tahoes. I see other Infinities, but I don't see anyone like this one. (laughs) Next thing you know, they go, man, that car is cool. Man, that's a hoopty. I said, yeah, it's a hoopty. It's a real live hoopty from Second Ward, Houston, baby. (laughs) You know what? I said, that's right. You can't just go on the lot and grab one of these. Next thing you know, they nicknamed it White Lightning. Now, this is something else. It didn't have a reverse. So I had to, it's a small car. And so I'd stick my leg out and I'd push it. And I'd get it where I wanted it. And then on one occasion, it wasn't starting, so we had to pop the clutch. See, some of you go, what is he talking about? This is a different world. This is third world stuff. Third world or inner city. And so what happens is all my friends decide we're going to go out to eat. Are we going to take one of their cars? No, let's take white lightning. Man, and let's pop the clutch right on the main drag. So we get out there, back it up. We get it ready. Five guys are sitting there. Tell us when to go. I said, go. They're running. They how fast are we going? I said, you're like 10 miles an hour, maybe. He goes, pop it, pop it. I popped it. They pile in. We're hanging out the windows going, white lightning. I just saved y'all a bunch of money. Go get your kids a hoopty. Go get them a hoop. Teach them some character. That's what God is saying. I'm trying to teach you some character. I'm trying to make you someone. So that when you know who you are, you know who you are. So that when someone tells you something you're not, you don't believe it. You know who you are because I have told you who you are. And you've spent some time in the weight room with me and you've built your faith. You say, well, pastor, what can I do practically to build some of this? Practically, you can understand the power of affirmations. Number one, I'm going to go through 10 of them in two minutes. Oh, ye of little faith. (laughs) Affirmations. What's an affirmation? It's a positive statement from God's word, directly from God's word that you have captured on your phone, on index cards, on a sheet of paper, and you read over them continuously. Why? Because the Bible says that faith comes from, faith comes by, faith comes by, faith comes by hearing. 
When you hear the word of God, it will begin to line up your spirit within you according to the way he created you. There's power in God's words, power in the words of God. Now, there's a little study, number two, the power of words we need to understand. Pastor Melissa already said there's life and death in the tongue. You can speak life or you can speak death. Watch this little study of Professor Emoto. Dr. Emoto has conducted another interesting experiment. He placed rice into three glass beakers and covered it with water. And then every day for a month, he said, thank you to one beaker. You're an idiot to the second. And the third one, he completely ignored. After one month, the rice that had been thanked began to ferment, giving off a strong, pleasant aroma. The rice in the second beaker turned black. And the rice that was ignored began to rot. Dr. Emoto thinks that this experiment provides an important lesson especially with regard to how we treat children. We should take care of them. ...on how we treat our children. But it also stands to reason that we can speak life over ourselves. Some of us have gotten too comfortable but saying things like, I'm an idiot. Why do I always do things wrong? Why can I, uh, nothing ever good happens to me. Instead of speaking God's promise over yourself, there's... Life and death in the power. There's power, the power of life and death in our tongues. Positive internal dialogue. That's what we're talking about. Because what you say in here will come out of here. Number four, self-motivation. Discover your motives. This also can lead to discover those negative things that, you have, been, that, you, that have been trapping you. Those insecurities, be able to grab hold of them like we said and bring them to the cross. But also those positive things that you're good at, build on that. Build on it. God has given you that blessing. Number five, visualization. I need you to understand something about visualization. Studies of psychologies, of psychology shows that peak performers, peak performances whether it's by engineers, surgeons, great athletes, artists, doesn't matter who you are, they all use visualization to help them see who they want to be. That's what you're doing when you're visualizing. You're helping see who you want to be. If you can see it, then your brain will go for it. And what you need to see is the way God sees you, the way he created you to be. And that's why I keep saying, get the Holy Spirit involved, get his word involved through prayer, get a good vision for your life. See your children the way God sees them and you'll begin to speak it over them. Amen. Amen. Number six, the power of a positive greeting. Don't underestimate practicing helping somebody else. Somebody said, well, pastor, I want to feel better than help somebody else feel better. I want a friend than help be a friend. I want to be encouraged than help encourage someone. And it all starts with greeting someone the proper way. I love what John Maxwell says. He says, I always practice the 30 second rule. 
30 seconds of greeting someone, I just put it in my mind to try to help them be and feel and experience the best 30 seconds that I can possibly give someone. That means I greet them with a great smile. I'm sincere about my compliments toward them. I try to notice something new. I try to make it about them. When we learn to do that, it's called the golden rule. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Number seven, enthusiasm. A great greeting starts with enthusiasm. What kind of enthusiasm? Passion. The amount of enthusiasm is important in accomplishing whatever task you have before you. If you want to win a Super Bowl, you're not going to win it with no passion and no enthusiasm. If you want to win an NBA final, you're not, if you want to be, uh, have the best business around, you're not going to do it without enthusiasm. You're going to have to have enthusiasm if you want a great attitude as well. Thanksgiving and joy. God, it's Thanksgiving and joy. We talked about this briefly last week, but the Bible says rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. Give thanks. Listen to what uh, Ephesians says. Give thanks always for all things to God the Father. That means we need to be constantly thankful. The Bible says that a joyful heart or a thankful heart is good medicine. It means it will make you feel better. Study after studies have shown that individuals that, that, that make a habit of keeping a Thanksgiving journal experience healthier lives, stronger immune systems, and can fight off disease that much more effective. It's your attitude. What else am I talking about? Humor is number nine. Laugh a little. Laughter is medicine for the soul. Don't take yourself so seriously. Be able to laugh at yourself. For crying out loud, I almost tripped and fell on my face. You just got to laugh and say, God, thank, thank you that I didn't. Exercise. Get in the gym physically and burn off some steam. Now, last but not least, I have a little video and I want you to, to really listen. You're going to be tempted to laugh, but really listen and enjoy, uh, enjoy it because I think some of us have this attitude towards God. And today, maybe we just need to talk to the Lord and say, God, sorry for having so much attitude. I'm coming here. Look. Now, look. Well, you. you in time out. Look. My bracelet came off. I'll put it back on. You in time out. There's no excuse. Let's see. Honey. You're supposed to be back in time out. I didn't say get out. You and Jayla in time out. Well, let me tell you this, Linda. My name ain't Linda. So you sit right there and time out, little bad little girl. No, let me tell you something. No, don't if tell I, me. If I was in here, I would surely take a day off from you and then a day off from these kids. I'm in the classroom. I'm just done with you. I'm done with you too, but you in time out. Oh, let me tell you something, honey. This is not gonna leave. You gonna be in timeout? Oh. That's why you in timeout right I'm now. I'm sick still. I think so. Well, when I get up out of town and go to bed, I will be glad 
to go home and enjoy the rest of my life. And I completely quit school because all of you. I think I'm about to quit school because all of you. I, you know, did you hear what she, she goes? I run this classroom and I am done with you. I think some of us are like, Lord, I run my life and I'm about done with. Well, let me tell you something, Jesus. I love it. My name's not Jesus. It's Lord Jesus Christ, King of glory. (laughs) I think that's what Miss Linda was trying to tell her. My name's not Linda. It's Miss Linda to you. And she goes, well, let me tell you something, honey. (laughs) I, I I think we have too much bad attitude for our own good. Sometimes God puts us in time out. He puts us through trial and tribulation, and we tend to argue with him instead of saying, Lord, what can I learn? Maybe you're going through a trial or tribulation, and this this is causing you to say, wow, Holy Spirit, I need you. I need you to teach me what I need to learn so that I won't be in the desert for 40 years. You know, the children of Israel could have been in the promised land in two weeks. They chose the 40-year route. Because I am done with you. I love the way she crosses her arm. Teacher said, well, I'm done with you too. Well, when I get up out of timeout, Lord, I'm going to go home and go to bed and enjoy the rest of my life. And God's going... I'm trying to help you enjoy eternity. I'm trying to help you enjoy eternity. You say, but she's a little girl. She doesn't understand. Do you remember the, the, the passage in Isaiah when I said God's ways are high above our ways? We don't understand. And so the best thing to do is be grateful, be thankful, have the right attitude that God prescribes and he'll take care of the rest. So maybe you're here today and this message has touched your heart and you need some prayer. I'm going to ask you to bow your head and right there where you sit, ask the Holy Spirit. Say, Lord, have I, have I been struggling, struggling in the area of attitude? Have I been walking in pride or unforgiveness? Have I been walking in frustration and just not having that positive outlook? Have my children been suffering? Have my wife, my my husband? What are you saying to me today, Lord? And if if the Lord is speaking to you and you want to pray and you want to ask for prayer, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand right here, right now. Wow, I see hands all over this room. Father, you see every hand and every heart that's open that needs your help. Father, I pray that you would, Father, just speak to the hearts of the individuals that are here. Father, line up our attitude by the power of your Holy Spirit. Lord, show us what we need to confess that we might get it out 
and leave it nailed to the cross. And then, Father, remind us of how beautiful this awesome life you give us the privilege of living is and that we should enjoy it with a great attitude. In Jesus' name, amen. I love you, Foundation. Have a great, great week.